All right, everybody, we're back with Movie Talks and Chill. I'm Tony Serrato. Gavin Butts. And we have a guest with us. If you want to introduce yourself, sir. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike Mentor, writer-director of uh, Life with CT, a Warren Sapp story, playing at the Sunscreen Film Festival. Nice, nice. And um, so you said your film just played now? Yes, just played at the 1245 short documentary block. Okay. Awesome. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's where it was. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, good turnout. You know, nice. we got a nice round of applause. People were very receptive to it. A lot of questions after, you know, so it was great. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, the biggest question, Dan, if you had this film, what's the film about? Can you give us a little insight on it? The film is about um, NFL Hall of Fame Super Bowl champion Warren Sapp and um, his life and journey after his career living with CTE. Mm-hmm. And uh, suffering with with some of the diagnoses and just his everyday life of living with it, and and um, him telling the message to former players and to kids, you know, to to basically watch out for themselves, especially at a younger age. You know, we're pushing to delay uh, contact sports for certain ages mm-hmm. around the country. You know, we don't want kids playing uh, contact, and, uh, and um, we don't want kids. Even even outside of football, you know, it's 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 girls playing soccer, it's kids playing rugby, it's all collision sports. You know, we want to delay the start of that, so there's a a, a less risk of of these kids developing CTE when their brains are developing around that time. So you know, it's about pushing for the youth and then also pushing for for retired athletes, specifically in the NFL. You know, to to be more aware of of, of CTE and. You know, a lot of those guys have have those symptoms and they don't know it. And um, they find out when they go and and commit uh, a terrible act out there in the world. So we're just trying to push for them to realize that, you know, this is a thing and and to be aware of it. Does the does the film go to any kind of like treatment for it or is it just centered around CTE? Just itself. Um, it's it's about it's mainly about CTE. Our our, our great expert uh, neuroscientist, Christopher Nowinski. He's a former WWE wrestler, and he's the head of the Concussion Legacy Foundation. He's one of the founders. So he, he's given a lot of insight and knowledge in the film on, on kind of what to do, what to look out for. And it's also uh, about Najee Davenport, who's a former running back from Miami University, played in the NFL, and, uh, and, and race norming. You know, he, uh, he suffered from concussions, and he believes that he has CT as well. And uh, he filed a lawsuit against the NFL, which is very rare because most of the time when you go against the NFL, you lose. And uh, he filed a lawsuit that, that allows now, it was something called race norming, where black players were, were, were tested with, with head injuries at a lower scale, lower level than white players. So now he sued the NFL. Um, he won and, and rules were changed. So now former black athletes in the NFL can go back and retest and now they can get compensated for head injuries. So... It's mainly about, you know, looking out for CT, bringing awareness to it. And then that little side story within the film of Najee Davenport and what he's doing. You know, he's a trailblazer for, for former black athletes in the NFL. So guys are getting compensated from up to at least 70 to 180, maybe $200,000, which is very helpful for retired players. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's a kind of just blend of, 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 of helping the youth, helping the, the former guys that, the, you know, the former athletes are, are why the NFL is a billion-dollar business and why it's such a big product. It's, it's because of the guys that played before. So, you know, we're trying to kind of impact them in every level that we can. Fantastic, man. So, uh, I'll, I'll just ask this. So, kind of what was the – it's a very specific subject. Uh, yeah. You know, in a very specific, uh, you know, sporting uh, genre there. Uh, so what kind of inspired you to want to do this particular film? Like, was there, like, outside experience? Was there anything, you know, what, what kind of brought you into doing this movie? Yeah, well, I, I was a former Division I football player myself, okay. and uh, I played defensive end, defensive line, just like Warren. And uh, if you just know anything about football, about the positions, uh, being, a, being a defensive lineman, you're constantly hitting your head every single play, probably more than anyone. So, you know, once I became a filmmaker, you know, I was producing Warren's podcast while I was in my dorm room in college. And um, so, you know, I felt like once I became a filmmaker a few years later, it was kind of my obligation to tell this story. And, you know, dealing with Warren and working with him, you know, I saw the effects, you know, him forgetting things. And and memory loss is one of the biggest, you know, things with CTE. And and, uh, I just saw him dealing with some of the effects of CTE and... You know, I asked him, I asked him, you know, if I turned this into a movie, you know, would, would, would he be okay with it? And the Christopher Nowinski's, the Najee Davenport's, the Warren Sapp's, they've been, 
they've been fighting this fight for years, you know, so it's not like I went down and, and, and wrote this story myself, you know, this story's already out there, mm-hmm. you know, I was just motivated by hearing all the horrific things about the, the Aaron Hernandez, the Junior Seals, you know, the, the guys that I used to watch on TV and look up to, and they're going out there and committing suicide and killing their families, killing each other, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. And just all these examples, you know, as a football player in a locker room, you know, you, you never really talk about CT, you know, guys sit around. We know what we're doing to each other out there, but it's not like we're going to talk about it. It's like one of those unwritten rules, like in baseball, you know, you just don't talk about certain things. But, you know, all the information I was gathering throughout the years. And then once I got to kind of see it, being around Warren a lot and seeing the, the effects that he deals with CT, that kind of made me like, wow, you know, I, maybe I can do something about it being a filmmaker. And, you know, you can tell art in so many different ways and. You know, you can sing a song about CT, you can draw a picture about it. You know, I just figured the biggest way I can impact, make, you know, everybody in this country that loves football is to make a film. You know, film is it's probably the largest format of art that you can create. So I, I figured, you know, putting this, make, creating this as a film, you know, would, would, uh, would, would get people's attention and it has so far. Awesome. Um, if people aren't here at the Sunscreen Film Festival to see your documentary, is it being is it hosted on any other platforms like YouTube or something like that? Um, not not right now because it's it's at the early stages. You know, we just shot this last April here in Tampa. Oh, wow, wow! And it was really my fastest turnaround. You know, I just I just started becoming a filmmaker not too too long ago, so I, I wanted to get it out there. You know, I didn't want to send at it for for months and months or even a year or more. Mm. So you know, it, it's still out there circulating at the festivals. You know, this is our fifth festival since November, so you know okay. we're giving it a little bit more time. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're letting it play throughout the country. It's played in New York. It's played in Bushwick. It's played in L.A. It's played in Florida a few times now. So. You know, we're kind of just doing our due diligence of just letting it play in festivals and, you know, try to impact people around the country. And then, you know, hopefully there's plans where it can get picked up and it can be seen somewhere. But, you know, it's it'll, it'll, it'll be able to be seen hopefully soon. And uh, right now we're in negotiations with expanding it into a, a documentary series mm-hmm. be- oh, okay. because um, there's other athletes, obviously, that, that mm-hmm. suffer from CT and, and know that they do, mm-hmm. especially the former women soccer players that have won gold medals for this country and have been some of the best soccer players in the world, you know, and they, they openly talk about how they suffer from brain injuries and how they want to commit suicide, but no one talks about it because they're women soccer players. And yeah. in this country, we don't care about women soccer players as much as we do about NFL uh, athletes and, and, and male athletes. So we're opening up the door to inviting boxers and, and women soccer players and rugby and, and, and hockey players, you know, and there's a lot of big name athletes that, that, that suffer from this. So we're right now we're in negotiations with extending it into a doc series uh, Los Angeles. And uh, so far it's it's going along really well. You know, I figured if Warren, if I can get a name like Warren to talk about CT, then people will listen and people are listening. So if I can gather up some more uh, from different sports and welcome them in and put it all together, you know, I can elevate from this short film and elevate it into an even bigger, larger medium for people. Nice. That's awesome. So have you got any um, thoughts on these that you kind of put it out there at the different film festivals and you, you know, working on a docuseries? Um, is one of your goals possibly like coming to the film festivals to maybe connect with distribution as well for this film? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're always looking. We're, we always have our door open and um, to, to welcome in distribution, whether it's the short form <laughs> of it or the, the documentary form of it, you know, we're shopping around, we're, we're officially in the market for it. And, okay. you know, we're, we have a lot of people interested out in, from all, all different types of walks of life. But, um, you know, we're open to everything. You know, our goal is is just to get it out there so people can see it. You know, a lot of people obviously want to see it. And I show certain people, you know, obviously, they're, you know, some most of them are coaches, most of them are parents, you know, it's the people that make the decisions for the kids. You know, yeah. these kids can't make decisions that, six seven eight nine years old you know, yeah. in some places especially in florida you know they take football very very serious at that age and i was hitting at nine years old myself playing football and i didn't make that choice you know yeah. my, my my father signed me up and said hey this is what you're going to do now after school mm-hmm. so i went and i liked it but you know it's really just showing them first the decision makers for kids and then mo- mostly the athletes that that played 
a, a contact sport that maybe they can spread the word in their communities. It's showing them, you know, private links and stuff. But, okay. you know, hopefully it gets out there to the world soon. Oh, very nice, man. And I'm going to ask something so about the filmmaking portion of it just in general. So you said you uh, more recently got into filmmaking. So kind of when did that happen? What was kind of your driving factor to switch from what you were doing to filmmaking? Kind of can you give us a little bit of that Yeah, story? so... Um, I'm originally from New Jersey, New York City. I played I played football in New York, and you know I graduated with a finance degree, business finance degree, and you know it, it was something. Working on Wall Street, in New York was was not what I really wanted to do. Coming out of playing football, and you know, I just I've always loved filmmaking. I just didn't know. Being from New Jersey, you kind of just don't know how it how it starts or where to start or the whole operation of it all. You just watch from a distance, three thousand miles away from Los Angeles, you know. And then, you know, I ended up getting my master's and studying film and television. And, you know, I got some great internships and moved out to Los Angeles. And, you know, I want to really be a producer. I want to produce feature films and find directors and find actors and kind of be, you know, the catalyst of it all. And then, uh, you know, a certain job in L.A., you know, I, I got a, a really great job and I, I assisted a director. And then he told me, hey, you should just be a director. You have a great eye for this. And. This was two, exactly two years ago, and, you know, I took it to heart, and sometimes that's all you need is just one special person to kind of knight you and tell you, give you that, that, that health of confidence, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's been two years. I've, I've created some shorts that I've been playing around the world, and, you know, I write more narrative, but, uh, you know, I figured with this subject, you know, once I turned into a filmmaker, I, it was kind of like my duty and obligation to, to tell this football story, mm-hmm. to tell Lauren's story. Yeah. And then I kind of learned more about CTE because obviously we never want to speak about it. And now I kind of want to open it up to other athletes. But, you know, it kind of just it just all started from experience being out in L.A. and and seeing how the, the bigger filmmakers create their stuff and watching them and just learning and, you know, being able to say, I want to do that and just picking and choosing, and you know, very grateful. And, and, and you know, I build opportunities for myself to have that right to be able to kind of pick and choose what I want to do in this industry. And that's a, that's writing and directing is, is it's a joy of mine. But just saying, like, I want to pivot, so I'm just going to go out and do it. Like, yeah. I wish I had that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, I mean, you got probably one of the best educations out there because that just watching and doing it, you yeah. know, being side by side with the people in the industry doing it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, that's also what kind of a, to piggyback off something you said, too, about, like, getting that, you know that support or someone saying hey you should do this or that validation whatever you want to call it um that's another good thing we've had some other interviews we talked to people that's the great thing about film festivals is you can network with people and you can show them your work and then you get that that you know reinforcement mm-hmm. or that <clears throat> validation or encouragement or partnership you know and networking yeah. there so these are like some of the best places to get that to kind of really drive yourself going forward as yep, well exactly so that's that's always a good thing yeah but no i like that it just only a couple of years ago, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And you're already here. I mean, a lot of people take some years just to even get anything. Right. I got, really, I, got, I got really lucky. You know, I've gotten some great jobs in L.A. And, um, you know, once you once you learn, you know, I, I thought I had a list of favorite directors that I would watch. And then once you start working with them and you start building relationships with some of the people you look up to, then you start to learn about, you know, who, who did you like? Who did you who inspired you? And then you become fans of their inspiration and their favorite directors. So mm-hmm. I'm at that point now where a lot of my favorite directors, a lot of my heroes, you know, I, I'm past them now. Now I'm looking more up to their heroes and then yeah, their man. heroes, heroes. So like I'm taking it back to like the 30s and 40s and 50s. Oh, okay. And, you know, I'm watching a lot of William Wilders mm-hmm. and and Ford and Fellini, a lot of those guys that that, that kind of those are the catalysts for film in general that that kind of created all this for us and they were pioneers the really. pioneers yeah, I mean, they, yeah. were, they were actually at certain points especially when you get back all the way back to like the 30s and, and before that they were developing yep. equipment while they were shooting they were figuring out how to make some of the equipment that we use today exactly i mean more advanced obviously today but <laughs> you know back then they'd be running and then they'd get the engineer again and be like oh let's and this yep. like mm-hmm. here and here and then yeah. we can do this with the lens and you know for telescoping lenses but that's more of a technical thing but that was those guys built the stuff I yeah. mean they were they were building it while they were doing it yeah said you know because they'd have a piece of equipment they'd shoot a scene and be like to them visually it wasn't telling the story visually that they want to tell so how can we make the story right. become alive the way we want it yeah. so really cool stuff though but I'm 
these guys know I'm a, I'm a cinephile myself, and yeah. I just love. I'll watch anything and everything. You yeah, know, same. So. <laughs> but, he really has. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to. It takes time. It takes, it takes a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to do in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Always sunny, but it's like man, I got to watch these films. You Absolutely, know, they draw me more than anything. So, yeah, and once you get past the old, you know, nowadays, you know, you get your big popular movies or big genre movies and sci-fi and CGI and all this other stuff but then it's it's nice to go back and just watch something simple like from hey, simpler time that is know. a triumph of cinema yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're all triumphs of cinema if you um, put 200 million dollars in special effects it's gotta be great right yeah. <laughs> no yeah there's a lot of that there's more of that now yeah like, exactly yeah, yes. That's, uh, what, what story are we telling? I don't know. Just put a bunch of explosions. Yeah, in. that's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Michael Bay. If I, had, if I see one more lens flare, yeah. <laughs> explosions. Yeah, I've worked on one of his sets, and they're, they're, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of a lot of money. A lot of stuff being blown up, flying yeah. around everywhere. So it's. Now you said also you said you got to work with you know a lot of really good directors and. and producers and people what what are some of the your, your favorite work experiences or who did you work with that you really really um, stood out to you then? well uh, i did my thesis in college and grad school on damien chazelle mm-hmm. he's also from new jersey and once i figured that out and um you know i loved whiplash and uh, i did a I did my thesis on whiplash and just him being from new jersey so mm-hmm. you know i moved out a couple years later and i ended up working with him and you know he's probably to me he's like the modern day francis ford coppola mm-hmm. and um I learned so much from him. I have a relationship with him and just, just, you know, just his thought process and, and, and just, you know, seeing, standing behind some of these guys and, and watching them work, you know, you, you get to listen to the conversations and you get to listen to the decisions that he makes on the day. And then when I go watch the film in the theater, I get to see, I have that, I have that, that, uh, that right. I get to see, the decisions that he ended up going with in the edit when I'm watching the film. And I was like, oh, he had these three decisions. But, you know, when I watch the final product, I get to see the final decision that he made. You know, so that that's a big thing for me is watching them on the day and, and just hearing the conversations that he has with his DP, he has with the gaffer, and, 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 and kind of creating on the spot, you know, going into a room and, and, and the storyboard says we're going to shoot this, and looking at this wall, but... You know, maybe my DP has an idea we should shoot it on this wall and just adjusting on the fly and, and being very creative on the day and kind of throwing away your, your, your roadmap and blueprint of a script and ideas that you had in pre-production and, and kind of just, you know, creating creating stuff from scratch, even though you have all these ideas already written down and set in stone. And, you know, I learned tremendously from, from just that, just creating on the spot and being a part of helping them create on the spot making sure the film is right and you know there's a few jobs that just i was super fascinated at you know you can't learn a lot of that stuff in school you know you you're standing there in the stage or wherever you're shooting on location you know just those people are there for that moment and you're creating a film that's going to live on for years and years and years and some of those moments you get on the day you can't reenact them and you can't learn it at school so yeah you know it's just being on set and, and watching how it's really made instead of hearing a professor speaking about how it's made and we can talk about how films are made forever in class or wherever it'll be but until you're there and you're watching it you know it's that's the magic that i was searching for as a kid in new jersey you know how, how did they do this how the hell did they do that but once you're watching the magic and you're a part of the magic you're helping you have your hand in the magic mm-hmm. and that's what hit me and i took it to heart and you know i, I realized i can do this myself and i'm geared up to do it absolutely and awesome. I, yeah i think that's great too because like you said with the schooling it's like you learn practical applications in school like they may be able to tell you how to structure a script but unless you're actually if you don't have the passion to create an interesting story structure means nothing really at that end no. of the day or they could show you how to operate a camera or edit a video but uh, like you said until you figure out you basically you have to have that vision and you have to be able to see another person who has a vision and watch how they take it from their mind mm-hmm. put it into application and get it on the screen you know mm-hmm. through the through the lens onto the screen you know the so it also shows you like the perfect way like in a perfect world, this is how it yeah, happened. Right? Yeah, and yeah. that never happens. No, no. Well, like most other schooling, though, they teach a lot of it's a lot of theory. Yeah, you know, like they teach like you know film theory. Yeah. And, you know, what what are they thinking? But 
nobody ever really knows what somebody exactly. else is thinking. You only know when that actual person is thinking and mm -hmm. tells you, this is what I'm thinking. Yep. So, um, but that's why that's like I said, that's the best schooling is that on the, you know, side by side, <clears throat> watching them make those quick changes or mm -hmm. this is not working. We got to do it this way or let's try this. And, you know, uh, director working very close with their cinematographer yep. is super important, you know, because that's that's your guy dealing all your lighting and setting the mood, basically, and the tone. And, yeah. and the director's got the idea of what the story is supposed to be. And together, they make that vision and make that work. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely a great, that's good education right there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Some of the best I think you can get. Oh, yeah. Um, so you've got the, we got a little bit of time left, but you've got working on getting that doc series possibly going is there any other other side projects you yeah i just shot my on? last short film uh three weeks ago actually it's um it's one that i've been working on for a long time it's a feature film and um we we took a we pulled uh, a scene from it mm -hmm. and we shot a short version as a proof of concept and it's uh it's the first feature i wrote it's like my more post-personal work okay. and you know i took the method from damien chazelle you know he wrote whiplash and struggled to get the funding for the feature and then took a scene and shot a short version of it, made a proof of concept and it won at Sundance and then he was able to make the feature. So I had that personal advice from him to just pull a scene and shoot it. So, you know, I shot that a few weeks ago. We shot on 35. It looks beautiful, you know, so I'm a big film lover. I believe in shooting in film. And, um, you know, it's a great story. It's something that's more personal to me, you know, so um, we're in, in the edit for that right now and um just looking to get that around and you know follow those steps to try to shoot the feature version of it so um, you know shooting some commercial specs to start directing some commercials myself you know just trying to stay well-rounded as a writer and director and you know i love writing my own stuff but i'm not opposed to taking on someone else's work yeah in my earlier stages but you know just trying to build and and continue to watch all these heroes that I love watch their work and, and just keep learning and shooting. But, you know, so far it's it's going along really well. It's awesome. I like awesome. it. I like it a lot. Um, I wanted to ask real quick. Um, so we're going about almost out of time here, but uh, just a couple things more about, about the festivals. Like kind of how did you hear about like sunscreen and stuff? Like what brought you here? And, and Yeah, so um, Dang it. obviously Warren, if you know about Warren Sapp, he's a, he, he's a Florida guy, Florida boy, born and raised. He played his whole career here in high school at the University of Miami, Tampa Bay Bucks. So, you know, we shot the film here, so I wanted to make sure that I hit all the festivals in Florida. Okay. So his family and friends and former <clears throat> teammates and coaches, and he has a big, big football world and community here in Florida. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that we, we submitted to all the – all the bigger kind of festivals in Florida where we can get the most reach. And we played at Fort Lauderdale International. We played at Jacksonville, um, Miami uh, Film Festival. We were semifinalists, so they're going to play it sometime this year. Uh, Sunscreen, which is very close to Tampa, which was uh, very important to me, you know, because he played up in Tampa and he has a lot of ties here. So, you know, I kind of want to give this for the people around here that, that know Warren Sapp and that can spread that story uh, in this part of Florida. So... You know, just trying to hit every city and all parts of Florida for the Florida boy himself. And, and obviously uh, to, to hit festivals around the country, which we've been doing. It's, it's been a success. So, um, But the state of Florida is very important to me for this film. And yeah. just making sure that it, we do our due, due diligence and having, you know, the people in Florida watch this film before yeah. anywhere else. Awesome. And the only uh, the other question I had for you is like again about for for sunscreen your experience here. So just give us a quick little synopsis of how your experience has been at the film festival. You know, being green, what what it's been like for you. Yeah. So you know, yesterday I, I landed from Los Angeles, and it's it's been everything that I thought it would be. You know, just seeing previous pictures and videos of previous festivals here. It's just a great time. You know, it's beautiful weather. It's a beautiful place to be, and the the, the staff here does a great job. I mean, you're, you're getting your film played at AMC, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, I walk into AMC in Los Angeles probably twice a week to watch films. So to see your own film being represented at such a, a beautiful theater, it's it's amazing. And there's a lot of great people here. The opening night film, I'm watching, you know, some actors I used to watch when I was a kid. And, yeah. you know, that means a lot to me as a filmmaker to be here with these type of people and, and you know, meeting other filmmakers and, 
you know, I'm a really big cinephile, so I'm, I enjoy sitting here all day and watching movies. <laughs> I don't have to pay for it, you know. I'll watch my movie in between and watch others. So it's just a great time. And, you know, this is what, this is a, you know, this is a part of it, of making films. You know, you get it out there and you hope people like it. But also the community and meeting people and meeting executives and producers and other directors and just hearing what's out there and seeing how others are shooting. You know, that's important to me. And, and you know, it's, it's everything that I imagined here and I'm having a great time. Fantastic, man. Well, we really do appreciate you taking the time <clears throat> joining us. So, yeah, we would like to get everybody's info, input, and like their experience here. So, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having um, me. Everybody, check out the film. What's the name of the film? Life with CTE, a Warren Sapp story. There you go. So, until next time, uh, we are your hosts. I am Tony Serrato. I'm Gavin Butts. Touch Wall. And our special guest, Mike Mentor. All right, guys, take care. All right, everybody, welcome back to Movie Talks and Jill. We are your hosts. I'm Tony Serrato. I'm Gavin Butts. Touch Wall. And we have a guest star here. If you want to uh, introduce yourself, sir. Hey, guys. My name is Andrew Kiriskiro, but everyone refers to me as AK for short. Right. Well, welcome, AK, and welcome to the Sunscreen Film Festival. Um, you know, it's our second year being here, being the podcast for it, so just kind of kick it off. Um, what brings you here? Tell us about the project. The reason I am here at the Sunscreen Film Festival, we have a feature film, 115 Grains, uh, showing here at the festival, and it's been uh, nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and the uh, Best Cinematography. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, so can you give us like a background what the story is? Yeah. So uh, 115 Grains is a movie about law enforcement suicide prevention. It is a thriller drama about a broken police officer who suffers from PTSD and suicidal thoughts. After a tragic uh, event, he's mandated to go to therapy and the therapist uses this unorthodox method of hypnosis. And through this hypnosis, uh, works through his uh, repressed trauma. So if you're a fan of the film uh, Memento, there's this stylistic, you know, multi-storyline element to the picture. Um, and uh, it's covering, you know, the leading cause of death among police officers today, which is suicide. There's a lot of, uh, like, real-life type yeah. experience yeah. we got going on here this year. Like, I mean, I know we had a few last year, but... You got some very good issues yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Kind of what, what brought you to that subject matter? Like what, what inspired you to kind of create that story? So uh, I was hired by a former uh, sheriff turned actor um, that saw a lot of stuff on the job himself. So the film started as a short film. Um, also, my father passed when I was 19 from suicide. So it's a topic I'm very passionate about um, raising awareness for. Um, so after the short film was made, I, I pitched it to a... A uh, previous client of mine, his name is Andy Wilson, who's the CEO of Quiet Professionals in Tampa, which is a military contracting company. Uh, he was really fond of the story, given the fact that their company aligns themselves with a lot of law enforcement agencies. And uh, the, the feature script was commissioned and uh, the process uh, began. And a few months later, we were greenlit and went into production uh, last January of okay. 2022. Okay, very good, very good. All right. So yeah. uh, where, where primarily did you shoot? We shot 115 grains primarily <clears throat> in Pasco County. Um, um, there were three law enforcement agencies that were involved in the making of this film. So St. Petersburg Police, uh, Pasco County Sheriff, and Dade City Police. So what's interesting, if you watch the movie, um, the very beginning of the film, the opening of the film actually has uh, real-life police officers from the St. Pete uh, okay. Police Department. Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome. So did you get to do any ride-alongs with them, like while you yes. were filming? Yeah. <laughs> How was that? It's um, it's cool, uh, but you, it was a um, sh- little bit jarring. Um, uh, a common note that a lot of the officers would mention was that most people don't realize how often, you know, on a daily or weekly ba- basis that they see horrible things, you know, traffic accidents with children, you know, being injured or um, so it was, it was cool, but it was also sad to see how much stuff is going on behind the scenes that the general, uh, public doesn't know. Gotcha. That is, yeah, there's a lot of things the general public doesn't yeah. know. It's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, so 
when did you kind of start with when it comes to the film filmmaking like kind of when did you start what kind of got you into the whole idea of it what was your inspirations on that so i uh started as an actor when i was 11 and the the i guess the spark that led to that was power rangers um <laughs> so did martial arts at an early early age when i was four and i was i told my my parents i really want to learn how to fight and then it was uh i really want to learn how to flip so then i did gymnastics and then so along this i don't know along this evolution i eventually discovered the reason why i really loved them were they were actors and mm -hmm. then so that's what got me into theater and acting and then that led into film school and then i fell in love with um working behind the camera um yeah so it's been a it's been a fun journey um, i'm a very passionate lover of cinema and and the goal is uh for uh my production company kiro pictures to be the first uh florida-based oscar-winning production company so and then um hopefully to beat the record for oscars for directing so there you go. Excellent. Yeah. Some good goals there. Right? Yeah. Thanks you. Thank you guys. Hope you, hope you get there. <laughs> yeah, me too. Quick side note: You said you're a fan of Power Rangers. Have you seen the Netflix uh, reunion movie yet? I have not. I my taste has has uh, <laughs> it's sweetened a little bit. Okay. Since I'm not a big fan of Power Rangers anymore. But. <laughs> I can't well, say I anything. I, 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 I watched it when I was younger too. I can't say anything. <laughs> I think we all just said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we did. Um, so you said you have your production company here. I, I know kind of offline before we started, you also said you have a, a, a club you run there? Correct. So I started a film club in the area called Cinephiliacs. And the reason why I created that club is if you are in the Tampa, St. Pete, Sarasota area, you will quickly come to realize that the only networking opportunities that we have here are the major festival events. So Sunscreen, Gasparilla, Sarasota. And so what I was noticing with a lot of my crew that I was hiring is not only a lack of job opportunities, but there was a lack of connection with the community um, that we were very uh, segregated. And so I sought to create this film club to have monthly events where all of us could come together. You know, so the more people are meeting one another, discussing ideas, knowledge is being shared, you know, financing can be raised and ultimately more films are getting made. People are making more money off of those jobs and hopefully not leaving for Atlanta, which is the low hanging fruit. Yeah. yeah. And, and now also uh, is it Houston. It's becoming bigger. I in, haven't in heard Texas? too much. Yeah. Not, I haven't heard too much, but it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Maybe that's why Tony. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Richard Linklater is from from uh, Texas area. Yeah, that's where he that's does right. a lot of his movies. So that that would make sense a little bit there. And do you have a specific? Uh, uh, do you have separate venues you attend to at these events for this club, or is it like the same or, or same venue? Yeah. So I I've gone to a lot of networking events. So <laughs> what I think most 20, 30 year olds can't stand is the very cliche. You know, go to whatever event space and you put on a name tag and then everyone has to wait their turn to like stand up and introduce themselves. And, and so I, the goal was every event we would do something different. So we've thrown house parties with like a DJ and then there was models shooting out by the pool. And then on the next event, we would be at a studio watching a indie movie, you know, all coming together. So I think um, mixing it up every time, um, and then also the Cinephiliacs. Now we have our own uh, podcast. We started a few months ago. So, okay. awesome. yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk offline on that one. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, that is great. So you said your film is going up at what five forty-five? It is playing uh, today, which is Friday, April twenty-eighth at five forty-five p.m. Okay, fantastic. Um, if people aren't at the film festival, is there somewhere else that you can actually view the video at this time? Or So not currently. Right now we're in talks with a, a, a pretty good distributor. Um, hopefully all goes well, but I imagine in the next within the next year it'll make its way to streaming platforms. So the very, oh, okay. very typical, you know, Amazon, Tubi, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. 
that that is streaming is the way the world is going. Yeah, you know yeah. nowadays, yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, in my opinion, I, I still love the, the theater experience. Like, I don't care if it's more convenient, a little cheaper to sit mm-hmm. at home with a monthly subscription, but just coming out to the theaters is always just it's a fun time. You know? It's just it's that childhood experience you still have. <clears throat> yeah, that yeah. popcorn smell. You yes, know? <laughs> I don't care what popcorn you buy at home, you can't get that same smell until you burn it, and then it, it never gets out of your nose. Yeah, very true, right. <laughs> Um, so you got multiple projects going on. Is your uh, the production company you have here in the area, right? It's in St. Pete, correct? Correct. Okay. So is there? Do you just do film? Do you do like like music videos? Like do you, do you correct? Run we yeah. So it's a, a you know a full service production company. You know, so any type of video content creation um, we're a part of. And my goal is to shift us more into just motion pictures that would be the ultimate goal but you know florida the market i recently learned a few months ago that we are the second largest uh commercial curator uh of content in the united states so the second largest amount of commercials are made here in florida oh wow Um, yeah yeah i didn't know that either (laughs) until yeah so um a lot of our business is you know commercials promotional videos stuff like that but the love is movies. Yes, yes. yes. Always, always <laughs> That's my love. Obviously, we do a movie podcast. So, <laughs> um, so I, I, I got a quick uh, question about this. So, you want to be the you know, first one in Florida to win an Oscar and then get the record for winning Oscars, correct? Yeah. So, um, so two separate goals. Uh, the first Florida-based production company that is winning Oscars, and then I would like to break the record for. Oscars for directing. So it's a the that the second one the second goal is definitely breaking the Oscar record. I think that's going to be a lot more tough than being the first uh, Florida production company. Uh, but you know it's uh, excited for the journey. I, you know, I mean, if you don't have if you don't have long distance goals, if you don't have hard goals, then when you achieve it, it just doesn't feel as good. You know? Right. I could say, oh, I'll get up, you know, by noon tomorrow. That's a <laughs> yeah. really one. You know, I can do that. But, uh, you know, so you want to have those things because it's more rewarding. So do you have, like, a genre idea in your head that would be that Oscar winner? So, I mean, typically the genres that are winning Oscars are dramas, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I imagine that would it that would be the genre that that whatever that story may be would fall under. Okay. Um, but I'm, I am, you know, my favorite directors, uh, it kind of changed. It started out as Spielberg. Then it went to Nolan. Now I'm back on Spielberg. And the reason being is because, and, and you, you touched on it a little bit, how, you know, theaters have really been affected by streaming platforms. Right. And right. going to the cinema is a really magical experience. And I think there's no better director that creates magical experiences for audiences than Steven Spielberg. And so I think creating a sense of magic and hope, you know, for doing, I don't know, creating a rocket ship or, you know, going to different planets, um, creating those, instilling those dreams in the youth is, and then also making a, a creative commercial product that is intellectually stimulating to adults, I think is, very difficult to do and and um so on that on that on those grounds spielberg is he's my guy nice. so very good you yeah. what no oh i no. look like you were about wanting to say something there. no i was just googling because um who has the most oscars like what kind of goal is this and i thought it may have been spielberg or it may have been um, the guy from imagine what's his name the little kid from the andy richter show and you guys are done now yes thank you <laughs> Uh, but it's actually some guy from the Andy Richter show. Yeah, yep. yeah. Who holds who holds the record? His name is John Ford, and he yep, John he, Ford. He has four Oscars from 1935, 40, 41, and 52. See the 30s and 40s. 30s and 40s. We're, we just yep. had that talk a little bit ago. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys I think it's Humphrey Bogart on your set. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's it's very difficult now, just because you know the the political climate, you know, with with cinema as general yeah. that. And the industry, I think, is really trying to spotlight new voices every year. So to do something like that, you know, I know Spielberg, you know, he was up for 
Uh, God, what was the film he just did? He was nominated this last year. Oh, um, it was about well, uh, the Fableman. The, fa- the Fableman. Yeah, the yeah. Fableman's. You know, so I mean, that was his first nomination <clears throat> I, in like a handful of years, <clears throat> and he obviously he didn't he didn't win. Um, but so I think now the likelihood that a director will win, you know, more than two awards in five, in a five year span is probably very unlikely. So, you know, maybe, maybe one award every decade. Yep. <laughs> or you could be like James Cameron to make one movie every decade. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, yeah make make a billion dollars <clears throat> yeah. or more. Yeah. That's a nice little payday for 10 years. You know, yeah. Yeah. broken up by yearly. <laughs> uh, but we do have uh, you know, a little bit of time left. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, uh, any other projects you want to promote right now? Ted, what's your uh, well, we ha- so there's a few in development um, right now. I'm I'm uh, talking with some financiers, and we're there's a project that I hope um, gets financing. It's a, a concept. It's called suspension, and it's about a, a a young boy that returns to school after a mass shooting and has to relive what took place. Um, so the film is. The underlying story, it's about a boy that just wants to kiss a girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that whole goal is disrupted. Um, and so the film is about a loss of innocence and, and the aftermath, how it, how those events affect a community. So there's been, as far as I know, there's been a few school shooting films. The earliest one I'm aware of is called mm-hmm. Elephant. It was made in 2003 that won Best Director at Cannes. Um, it was based off of the Columbine shooting. Mm-hmm. And then there was one a few years ago called Run, Hide, Fight mm-hmm. that's that's streaming on Daily Wire. And, and, um, but those productions are focusing on like the leading up to the shooting, the shooting itself. There hasn't really been a film that has focused on the aftermath, mm-hmm. on, on what that does to <clears throat> the youth and a community. So I'm hoping that one gets financed because I, I really enjoy working within tough topics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a challenge to be yeah. sensitive and then create something tasteful that is also um, healing to the audiences and, yeah. and, and, and isn't divisive. So yeah. um, I'm hoping that one goes through. So speaking real quick, um, when you mentioned in a couple movies there, have you, if you, have you seen, and if you haven't, you should see it, a movie called The Dirties? I have not seen that film. Okay, very interesting movie. It's It's... it's Again, it doesn't focus on the aftermath. It's all leading up to, but it's a bunch of about a couple of kids that have been bullied, yep. and they actually both are doing a long-term planning of how to do a school killing. And then one of the kids obviously starts backing out, but the other kid just goes snaps and does it. And it's it's very it's an it's a very indie film and it's mm-hmm. very indie shot. It kind of feels like you're watching. Um, I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. Kind uh, of taps. No, no, taps. Um, but you know, it's got that real brainy look. Yeah, it's kind of like watching uh, kids. Okay. See that? Yep, oh, yep. okay. It's not like that kind of material, not the sexual nature the, material, but just how it's it that shot. type of feel and shoot it. You know, and then yeah. you get into how just how kids. So it's think. called the dirties. The dirties, yeah. When, I, I, I don't know exactly where to find it anymore. I was on one of the platforms a while back. I when was it? When was it made? Do you know around what uh, year? I'd have to say earlier 2000s if i had to throw out a guess maybe like 2009 to 12 or something like yeah that. yeah fairly close looked it up it's 2013 <laughs> okay I was yeah but, all right awesome but yeah check that one out since you dirty yep. thank you so much uh, but yeah so uh before we go though i just want to ask to you around the area so how did you you know get into the sunscreen like how'd you hear about it how'd you come across this yeah so the first so i am an avid goer to film festivals so i think and I tell this to filmmakers, they're like, how, how do you suggest I can, you know, make more money or land more opportunities? And you got to go to your local film festival. So, you know, looking up online, wherever your city is, you know, so mine happens to be St. Petersburg. So St. Petersburg Film Festival, then sunscreen would pop up, Tampa. Um, but yeah, so that's what I did when I uh, moved here from Miami about six years ago. Uh, and uh, I have been attending ever ever since. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And so, based on that, like, what has been your? How have you enjoyed the experience? What has your experience been at, at this particular I, film festival? I, I really like Gasparilla. I really like Sunscreen. I think there's there's different feels. There's a different tone to the festival. I think what's really great about Sunscreen in particular is that it's very central. Um, it's very convenient. 
um, what I mean by that is the festival is held within AMC Sundial, which is like a wonderful little shopping center, you know, cinema. Um, and then so you have all the movies right here in a, in a very established um, theater chain. Um, the theaters are great, great sound systems. Um, and then you, very close by, you can go to the workshops. So it's very similar if you go to Sundance up in like Park City, how, you know, you have all these shops that are right on, uh, I forget, the Park Avenue or whatever, the main, main or Main Street. Um, and then you have the cinemas that are right there. So I think, you know, convenience is a major, major, major advantage and benefit to festivals that can afford that. Nice. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time and joining us. And, you know, we'll be here, like I said, throughout Sunday. So if you want to pop back up, if you get, you know, something you saw or, you know, something else you, you want to promote, feel free to come and join us. But uh, so that's all the time we have. Thank you again for joining us for Movie Talks and Chill. We're your hosts. I'm Tony Serrano. I'm Gavin Butts. Patrick Wall. And to our special guest. Thank you, guys. AK. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Movie Talks and Chill at the Sunscreen Film Festival. Things kicking off great. We are your hosts. I'm Tony Serrano. I'm Gavin Butts. I'm Patrick Wall. And our special guest. Bob Rose here, director of Tokyo Taverns. Nice, nice. And so we'll jump right into it. What, what is the film? Okay, so Tokyo Taverns is an arcade bar documentary, uh, and it really gets into kind of the growth and explosion of these arcade bars that have been popping up all around the country mm-hmm. and kind of how these arcade bars have been bringing a new spotlight to arcades and kind of bringing them back to, to the mainstream. Oh, very cool. Yeah, as soon as this one here, Mr. Patrick heard about you guys, I know you were talking a little bit offline. That's all he's been talking about. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else goes better, video games and, you know, booze. I mean, so yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a reason why Pac-Man doesn't have any buttons. You know, you got one hand on the joystick, one hand on your beard. Yep. It's also my favorite game for that purpose. So. <laughs> I, was, I was slightly a little bit better. Galaga. <laughs> Kick your ass, Galaga. I know how to get the dual ship. Yeah. <laughs> Once you get the dual ship, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> so, is, uh, when when is your film premiere? Has it already been shown today, or is it going to be coming up? It premieres on Sunday okay. at 11 a.m. It's nice. the world premiere. It hasn't been shown publicly yet. Uh, it also sold out. Um, oh, wow. And we, I have to give it up for the community, the, the video game pinball community, is so supportive and it's so big here in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. that uh, I'd say probably three fourths of them in there are, or at least, are in the community. So very cool. That's awesome. Excellent. And and I know we were talking about this um, offline. So you stuck primarily to the you know the St. Pete area for for most of the shooting. Correct. So yeah. So we started filming ironically at the beginning of 2020. This is my third documentary. I typically do travel for these. And um, that was the plan for this one as well. But this whole COVID thing happened. Mm, And so, and even my day job, like, it actually became this point where I'm not making any money on my day job, which is working in reality TV and such. So it's like, okay, well, let's go fully in on this movie. And and we we filmed fully through that whole COVID thing and, and decided, obviously, to keep it more close to home and really get more in depth with these people. Uh, because we at first because we had no choice, but it really became uh, a happy accident because we really followed their story and it became much bigger than we started with just it becoming more of a survival tale okay. that we all kind of were at the front lines. But as a small yeah. business owner, small business owner will really recognize how you don't know if you're going to survive this or not as a business. Oh yeah, so. I mean, so many of them closed during that time frame, you know, with that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, right. Um, couldn't get distribution in. You couldn't get people in. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you, know, and community is such a huge part in the arcade community. Uh, it it it's so integral and so important that I feel like because we did hang out there. I mean, th- this is also not just a a documentary for us. This is the first time we are the demographic. I have multiple arcade machines. We are on our third pinball machine now. Um, and so this is where we spend our time. So being able to be kind of hanging out with all these people right at the bar, you really kind of feel the whole story about what they were going through. Nice. Nice. So, 
Patrick, don't be so quiet, man. You I'm like, just listening. I want to hear what you have to say about it. I already talked to them off, uh, off mic about what I want to talk He's about. He's trying not to look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just awesome. Actually, I'm Nobody trying not to you. sound crazy. <laughs> sound crazy. I know yes. I look crazy. He's just a duck on the pond if you can see his feet under the table. <laughs> We've recorded We're creating over. a whirlpool. <laughs> <laughs> We've done over 90 episodes. Everybody knows you sound crazy by now. <laughs> if they don't there you know go. by now, then they haven't been listening. But shame on you, listeners. <laughs> Do not shame our listener. <laughs> Listen, your mom said it was okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're here at the festival. Um, have you taken us to other festivals prior to this one? Or is this kind of the... No, this is the uh, world premiere. Um, we, uh, we're pretty much... This is it for us. We, we are premiering here. Uh, for me, it's important to have a showing at home, especially with this community. So, so that everybody can see it on the big screen, and to be able to see it here at the AMC, a very nice AMC as well, yeah. is just really like the you spend so much time on these movies. Yeah. And 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 my last movie I released in 2020, and and that happened kind of as I started filming this movie, but it kind of like what's the big everybody's watching on streaming. And, and you don't get that kind of visceral reaction yeah. of watching it with. So I'm super excited. This is the first time in six years I've got to watch it, a movie of mine in a theater like this because of COVID. So um, that's it for us. We've, we've got it actually. Uh, uh, this is hot news. I haven't said this to anyone yet. But we do have a distribution deal with Indie Rights. And this happened just this last week. Um, so... Uh, I'm fully in delivery mode, and the movie is looking to probably be on streaming. I'm looking probably late summer. We don't have a, a date, but oh, okay. it's all in the works. It's, Do you know uh, what platforms, at least? I mean, I can tell you for certain we're going to have, uh, and this is very much a kind of indie film one-on-one for a lot of people out there that might be doing smaller distribution deals. Um, I, I know quite a bit about that at this point, but we're doing kind of a, a private Vimeo link first. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with an Amazon Prime, when I say that, you create windows for these things mm-hmm. just like you would for a bigger movie. So first, transactional mm-hmm. rent by Vimeo link is, is, is where you actually get the best return as a filmmaker because you're not splitting a half of a half, right? right. Or and then, and then an Amazon rent by, and then it'll kind of start to trickle into more of your, your voodoos and Google, all, all the places you might go to. To do transactional or rent, uh, and then and then it'll eventually get, go to like a free V, mm-hmm. uh, ad supported. Right. You know, for independent films, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but you're getting a, most of your return on ad supported platforms okay. now. Free V, free V, two B, those two B yeah. especially huge, mm-hmm. huge okay. for for our film and YouTube. So that's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. My first two films, and I got a distribution deal with Gravitas Ventures for my first two films. Um, those are both on, on, on YouTube, and I, I'd say most of the return I'm getting on a quarterly basis now is, is based on YouTube ads. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I got into the weeds. No, 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 no. That's, that's where I'm at right now, you know. That's exactly why we're here. <laughs> right, right. And congratulations on thank getting you, the distribution you. deal. That's awesome. Thank We've you. learned from another friend of the show that getting distribution is a real PIA. <laughs> well, it's not even just getting distribution. It's getting a good distribution yeah. deal. Yeah, someone that's reputable. And I'm going to give some kudos to Andy Wrights once again is they – there are, as far as I've seen, the only people that are doing this, and they're very transparent about it. Their deal is 20%, three-year deal. If you don't like it, you can move on when the three years is done, and, and, and no expenses. Nice. You know, my second film did not do well, and I have, and that's because I haven't even got out from under the expenses that, that a lot of these distributors will charge. Right. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because you kind of want to find this place where you – you're not always going to have control, but you if, if they're spending things on marketing, like, what is that? What are you doing? Yeah. And most distributors, are, they're, they're not doing any marketing to, per se. Right. It's, that's on the filmmaker. So if you're doing it, why not get the best return and, and, and uh, people who are super transparent about your returns on a quarterly basis? Nice. You know, so, yeah. That's, that's right where I'm at right now. Like, it's been my week. I mean, literally pinned it on Tuesday. So oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I have a question. So what is it that you do for reality TV? Is it is it directing, filming, um, 
Okay, so I've done a little bit. Okay, so I've done a little bit of. I don't want to say everything, but I I've been in reality television, documentary, unscripted. Mm-hmm. I feel like reality TV gets us. You instantly think of the Kardashians or or Survivor. Okay, yeah. um, I, I I worked in uh, sports documentary for a long time, uh, doing HBO boxing, uh, Mayweather. Okay. I was in the Oscar De La Hoya era, you know, all the way through you know Mayweather, Pacquiao, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and so sports documentaries was my thing for a long time. And I did a reality series for MTV that I produced and, and edited as well called Two-A-Days. And that was in late 2000s or whatnot. Um, but recently I've been doing, and this is actually a post-COVID thing, that I've been almost full-time uh, being a remote reality TV editor. Okay. And that was a pivot from where... Um, uh, Editors were one of the first people back to work because they figured out the remote thing and you don't have to go into work. You can do it from home. Mm-hmm. You're just VPN into some other system and then you're editing. So on that realm, I did a, a reality series for Netflix called Buying Beverly Hills, kind of your real estate uh, docu-soap, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, I did a show for Netflix called Title Town, which is high school football, very much like a two-a-days that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a little bit of Pawn Stars. I did a little <laughs> bit of Love and Hip Hop. I did a TLC show very recently <laughs> called uh, Thousand Pound Best Friends. I mean, you name it, I've, <laughs> I've done it. And it, these things are always interesting because they're a dim- different demographic, not always what I would watch. But as an editor, I always find it a challenge to do different genres. Right. Nice. You know, the whole idea is like, I, give me some time, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So... And it gives you a challenge too, throwing different things out at you. For me, if I can, if I can get uh, my weekly check and spend it at home, and spend it in gym shorts, and I'm telling a narrative story, and and we're talking like track stories over ten episodes, most of the time I could care less what it's about. Like I'm just happy to be doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you find the fun in it, yeah. you know. So yeah. Well, that's the old saying, you know, you got to love what you do. That's that's the most rewarding job ever if you can. Right. Going in, it doesn't feel like work. You know, you do what you love. So yeah, hey awesome. man, I've done my share. I've done my share of corporate. I've done my share of commercials. Um, but anytime I can entertain and tell a narrative story, whether you know, for me, it's always been unscripted. That's that's definitely my area of expertise. Um, digging through footage and creating a story, that, I'm all for that. Nice. Yeah. And did you also know, like, kind of on just focused on the actual, you know, filmmaking or, or production end of things? That's something you always knew you wanted to do or kind of what what kind of gets you into production and into film and all that good sure stuff. yeah so yes and no so it's always been a part of my life but i always didn't recognize that it was something that i should be doing mm-hmm. uh, i just recognized it was something i enjoyed to do i i come from the school of thought that i didn't put together that you could do what you enjoy and make a good living at it i was just like i just need to get to college you know like mm-hmm. i need to as i my dad would say is Go to college so you can use your brain and not your back. You know, so I was just focused on that. Um, But at the same time, my first video was in the sixth grade. I would always check out cameras. We're talking VHS days. Uh, Check out cameras, those big old hunker things you put on your your shoulder. And uh, and I would do a video project anytime I I could. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, you see the breadcrumbs. And I was just making a cheesy little horror film in college when I almost flunked out, right? And I was at home and I bought a camera from a pawn shop, totally just editing with two VCRs put together, just having fun. And I show it to my mom and then my mom, RIP, she, she says to me, that's what you should be doing for your, your job. Oh, that's and, fantastic. And that was it. That once I, did, I was like, whoa, you can do that? Like <laughs> they have classes for video. Right. Like <laughs> it was just, it was me and a lot of football players, but I was, I was, you know, I, I made straight A's the rest the rest of school once I went into that. So. Awesome. And, and the best part is when mom says it, you, you almost you get that permission true. from the family. Because most families, like entertainment, no, or, or like movies, it's a hard business. But when It's mom all says, right for you to do now, but you need a real <laughs> yeah. job. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. That's always the good How's stamp of approval. Mom yeah. says, do it, do it. That's it, man, that's it. And, you know, I this was in North Carolina, and, and my school wasn't the best. I was in that kind of transitional period between analog and digital. Mm-hmm. So I definitely did stuff, learned a lot of analog. 
that immediately when I graduated absolutely meant nothing. But <laughs> I still had a little bit more patience, and I, I'm, I'm glad it went that way. But um, back then, you were just a production guy. Yeah. So there wasn't like, a, oh, I'm a camera guy. I'm an editor. You know, you kind of had to know how to do it all. And because I learned that way when I came to Tampa, it wasn't that way. You're like, oh, you can do all these things. And it always kept me, like, employed. Yep. You know, I haven't had a, a regular day job in well over 20 years. And it's all been freelance. And, and that's why. Because I could dip into shooting, editing, producing. Mm-hmm. And if you do a movie, you don't have to call anybody. I just have the footage yeah. of just me and my wife, and, and we do it all ourselves. Nice. Just spend a lot of time. And that's, that's how we make movies. It might take two or three years, but <laughs> and our, our names are uh, there's a lot of roses in the crew list, but <laughs> it also makes divvying out checks easier too, though. <laughs> and that brings up another question. So, at what point, you know, was there any time in the spending all that time together that you just wanted to strangle each other? Right. Well, you <laughs> know, like, should I answer that right now? She's sitting next to me. She is. My wife. My wife is right <laughs> next to me here, breathing on my neck here. Um, you know what, ironically, and I think she could back me up on this, I feel like any of our arguments, uh, work-related, are usually never related to a movie project we're doing. Um, it's usually some corporate thing we're doing, or or it's not even that. It's just that it's more house, more, more, but it's a product of the work and the, the you know, we, we have our own rooms that we work in. We don't work in the same okay. areas okay. on a day-to-day I'm basis. Sure that saves. <laughs> we tried that. That did that not good? work. That did not work. I told you 16 times we're not putting that in. <laughs> right. You know, with our making films, though, our areas of expertise are so complementary that it's never like a stepping on toes situation. That's awesome. You know, so. Yeah. That's really good, man. I like it. Yeah. I can barely do an hour show with these three guys. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it. Just... Welcome to hour four. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, why do we do this on Sunday? <laughs> now that is great. We appreciate you guys coming and joining us, telling your your story and everything, and then uh, we look forward to hearing how the how the premiere goes. And and if and we can, stepping away to watch even like the first like half hour of it. But like we are here all weekend talking with everyone, so. It may be a little challenging, but I really am going to fight these two to step away for a little bit. <laughs> uh, you can go right now if you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't premiere until Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm saying when they, you can go talk to them some more because I know you got a lot more questions. Actually, they gave like me some great that, material. <laughs> well, I'm not joking when I say this. When as soon as he heard about token, you know, taverns, he's been talking. About, yeah. That's all he's talked about. Yes. And we were talking. Awesome. I think I've mentioned on the show before. I'm looking for a full size cabinet of Gauntlet Dark Legacy, and they've already given me two leads. Yes, <laughs> there yes. You go. And I also can tell you, there's three pinball machines across the street that we'll be playing within probably an hour or two. So, <laughs> uh, I did want to bring it back a little bit. You said you had three arcade cabinets at home. Which ones are they? Okay, so we've been through a few, but right now, as far as cabinets go, I've got a a a, a, a multi cade. Um, which is kind of a, I don't know if you've heard, it's more a home-based at-game legends okay. um, um, multi-cade, which is a, a, a great, great deal for what it is. Uh, and then I have a Class of 81, Miss Pac-Man Galaga. Ooh. Um, and then I have kind of like a, almost like a homebrew, really cool setup with uh, a stand-up with like a 42-inch monitor and fight sticks connected to like a PlayStation 4. <laughs> so you're you're playing like super modern games but you're doing it in, in like almost like a cabinet like street fighter five <laughs> but i will i will say that um especially because of this movie we are pinball fanatics like me and my wife we the majority of what we play is pinball and we're on our third now which we have avengers uh infinity quest which is a newer okay one we started with us 80s and then we went to a 90s and now we're is it one of the 90s. rarest pinball machines the adams family one it well i don't want to say it's rare it's one of the uh it's it's got a very high value attached to it okay. and because i don't say it's rare because it's actually the most mass-produced uh pinball machine ever made oh the 90s were the, the the pinball renaissance that's why if you really look at pinball you'll see almost every movie if it's halfway decent or if it comes out in between may and august mm-hmm. has a pinball machine i mean i'm talking barbed wire 
uh, Demolition yeah. Man, uh-huh. yep. Johnny Mnemonic, um, Congo. Like, I mean, really movies that, like, everybody's not wow. – nobody's nostalgic for these. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, my, our, the one that got us, that, that hooked us, is um, The Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, the Arnold movie. Yeah, yeah. So the 90s was – it's fun. That's a fun part for us because they're, they're, you're, you're tying into this love of movies and love of the game of pinball. Right, yes. At the same time. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I did not know. I honestly thought Adam's Family was worth a lot because it is worth a lot. Yeah, but I thought it was like super rare. But apparently, the most mass-produced one. It is definitely the most mass-produced. Now, now that doesn't mean you see it everywhere. No, I because it's so it's it's over thirty years old now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you see one and you see one that's in good condition, mm-hmm. it's kind of like respect. Oh, like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, you got it. You and got plus, it. I'm assuming most of them are held by private collectors, so there aren't a few out there. Right, a lot out in the wild anymore. Now I can tell you, there's one at New World Brewery, right, right. Right around the corner. Right, well, it's in Tampa. Oh. <laughs> like that's where the local ones are, you know. But Just across the pond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, pond. Yeah, not the Atlantic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, the funny thing about that, I'll tell you one quick thing about Adam's family is very unique to that machine. Is they actually got Raw Julia and um, what's the lady's name that was in it? It was Morticia. Oh, uh, no, Cher wasn't. Um, no. no. Well, well, they they did all the callouts for the game. Okay. Which are like, hey, wrong, you know, oh, wow. lost ball, yeah, all these things. But they actually. If you hit a bumper or a, uh, uh, make all these sounds, it's Raw Julia, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they would never do that now. No. Daryl well, Hannah. Every single sound is the two of them. It's that hilarious. was Mortician, Daryl yeah. Hannah. Mortician, Daryl yeah. Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, uh, again, we appreciate you taking the time. I do have a couple quick questions. More about the film festival base. So, kind of, how did you get connected with Sunscreen? How did you hear about it? Like, what brought you to this particular festival? Okay, so I mean, well, I mean, I'm I've been in Tampa for 25 years, and I've seen this film festival from where it, it first kind of started to where it is now. So it's the film festival to go to. Mm-hmm. So I knew that, and I also knew the location and the theater, um, and also I'm good friends with Brian Williams, mm-hmm. who has who who kind of is one of the directors on on there. And, and he's been telling me, he's like, yo, Bob, you got to get it in sunscreen. And I'm like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I promise, I promise. <laughs> and, and they've been great. They've been great for us. We're, we're kind of, um, I don't want to say sponsors, but, like, we definitely have influenced the party tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's going to be a few arcade machines in there. Nice. We'll have a little table off to the side. Um, you know, like, we're, look, we're a fun movie, and, and we like that this is a fun festival, and we just like the vibe. So, yeah, we're just excited to be here. Absolutely. As we are, we, you know, yes. we, we love just being here, just doing what we do. And, you know, being able to talk to, you know, filmmakers and, and creative people and, and hearing their stories and just kind of sharing that moment with you guys. Because, like, we see people come out and, oh, my movie just is premiering or if it's a first, uh, younger person's first movie or someone has been doing this for a while, you know, they love hearing it and we get to hear those stories in real time you know as it happens so it's a big joy for us as well so uh, sunscreen all the way guys absolutely 100 but that is uh, about the time we have thank you very much for joining us on telling us your story and we will be here all weekend so if you want to come back up and say hello again feel free to stop by um for movie talks and chill we're your host i'm tony serrano i'm gavin Buss. I'm patrick wall and our special guest bob rose and make sure you guys follow token taverns mm-hmm. all right Token Taverns, guys. Remember that. Thank you. Take care. Don't forget, guys, you can visit us at our website, movietalksandchill.com. Email us at talktous at movietalksandchill.com or find us on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Movie Talks and Chill. You can listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, coming soon to Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Overcast. New episodes available every Wednesday. Talk to you then. Theme music for our podcast was composed, arranged, and performed by Paul the Rock.